This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, your host of Kicking Back, a podcast brought to you by The Equalizer. And I'm so excited to finally be bringing you season two. It's bigger, it's better. And now it's brought to you through Blue Wire Podcasts. Really excited to join the Blue Wire family, uh, which already has so many great sports and soccer podcasts. And we're adding the Equalizer and Kicking Back to that. If you missed season one, I really encourage you to go back, check it out. We had long, in-depth conversations with Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Christy Mewis, Lisa Baird, the list goes on. Please go check out the archives, but we've got some great things planned here for season two. And we're kicking off this season with Midge Purse, forward slash defender for Gotham FC and the U.S. Women's National Team. We're talking about everything from visiting the White House on Equal Pay Day to forming the Black Women's Player Collective, shaping the future of Harvard, embracing the villain role with Gotham, her long road to the U.S. national team, and then, of course, some of the really important stuff like road rage in New York City and where to find the best bagels in the area. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really helps us in getting the word out. And if you don't already subscribe to The Equalizer for all of your women's soccer content, you really should be. Go to EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. Subscribers have exclusive access to all sorts of premium content, and that includes bonus questions and premium content here uh, from Midge Purse that you can only get as a subscriber, uh, exclusive and bonus after this podcast. So this is Kicking Back, a podcast brought to you by The Equalizer. I'm your host, Jeff Kasuf. We're now brought to you by Blue Wire. Excited to get going. Here is Midge Purse. Can't wait to bring you this conversation. Excited to be joined on Kicking Back. We're in a new season of Kicking Back, a podcast presented by The Equalizer. We've got Midge Purse on today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, thank you for for joining uh, in a busy busy stretch as NWSL gets going, and we just had some some rare U.S. games in Europe, I guess, or somewhat rare. Um, so really excited to have you. Um, for, for those of you listening, if you have been living in a cave, uh, Midge Purse, U.S. Women's National Team, New new name for this franchise, NJNY Gotham FC, um, forward slash defender. Is that maybe the, the way to introduce? <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so we can we can get into some of that, but um, I thought it'd be cool. Maybe we have to talk like a little bit of current events because we're recording this a couple days after a wild game, a brace <laughs> a brace for you, and I think that first goal, spectacular, ridiculous. Thank you. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, what, how do you come out of that game? Cause we watch these games, like you probably log on, maybe, maybe you don't, but see afterward a little bit of the reaction and we're like this league, but what's it like to play in that? Like, do, do you ever stop and think like, guys, we're in a seven goal game here? <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. After the game, I was just like, goodness, seven goals. But, and then it's like a double edged sword. Cause 
in hindsight, those games are some of the most fun games to play in. You know, there's a bunch of goals, but when you're in it, you're, oh, it sucks. <laughs> like when you're, you go down um, and you're like, oh, we got to score not one more goal, but two more goals to come out of this game with a win. But also I, I loved that game because I think it was the epitome of entertainment and women's soccer. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone would, anyone would go and look at that game and be like, women's soccer is boring. So I, I love that. Yeah. Not, not, um, not boring at all. That is (laughs) the league. There have been some snoozers. I'm not going to lie so far, but I mean, it's kind of preseason, but we've, it's either been one extreme or the other so far, I think in 2021, it's, it's crazy or it's not, um, yeah, so so things pretty crazy in in this league. Um, I, I wanted to. You were talking after the game, and I, I saw the quote. Um, you said that you're embracing this Gotham rebrand. I think I, I read the quote online first, and you said you were embracing the good girl gone bad vibe, which yes. I thought was a great <laughs> a great quote. And I saw the person capitalized it, so I was like, "Am I missing a reference here? Is this like, is this a Rihanna thing? Is this a music thing? Or you were just that was just a general Listen. vibe." I'm a huge Riri fan, but that's not the type of good girl. <laughs> that's not my type of like bad, but I, I like the, <laughs> the quote still applies. It's a different, like good girl gone bad. Like, I just think that the league has a whole bunch of heroes. You know, we have like the thorns, they get roses after the game. Like everybody loves them. And then, we have Angel City coming in and they're the angels and it's so sweet. We have the Royals and, you know, like we'll be the villains. We've been through it. <laughs> I think I think we need a rebrand and I think the league could use a villain. And I've never been on that side of, I feel like the hero villain thing. So I'm trying it out and I think, <laughs> I think it could be cool. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. That is uh so branding Gotham as the villains. That's, that's a good Good little. I think some others around the league might argue, though, that um, Portland maybe was a bit of the villain for them. But I actually, I, I heard about that while I was in Portland, and it really confused me. <laughs> I was like, "You get roses after games, like yeah, <laughs> it's such a happy place." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, Gotham screams villain to me. <laughs> okay. What, what about, um, I mean, I understood like players were somewhat involved in, in the process, looped in. Um, you know, I thought the launch was really cool. Obviously, you know, you had the jersey launch and you were all showing off the jerseys. Um, what, you know, for you, it's, I mean, what do you think of the, obviously you love the rebrand. It seemed like there was that connection in New York City was really there too with just the way it was launched, the jerseys and everything. Was that, um, do you feel like that's a, a connection there maybe what, what do you love about this rebrand the most other than maybe being the villains right <laughs> right um yeah no i can't take any credit for <laughs> for the rebrand <laughs> and the mind of behind the minds behind that that's that's all elise and i'm sure she knows the other minds behind it all credit goes to her but no i think that even even during our game you could see how bought in like the entire public has been to this this new energy. It's a completely different energy. It's like the New York, New Jersey, you know, even though they don't necessarily get along, <laughs> you know, it's still New York, New Jersey against the rest of the world, which I can say. So I think, I think that's a really cool thing to, to kind of unite behind. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that as time goes on and we become more popular, you'll see that 
I think we're going to bring in a new type of audience. And I think that's really special. Yeah. So, I mean, this is um, for all intents and purposes, let's call it a greater New York City team. I mean, that's part of that rebrand. Yeah. Um, you played in Boston. We were just talking about Portland. You've got DMV, let's say close to DC roots. Are you feeling like, are you like embracing being a New Yorker or what? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I pride myself on loyalty. I am from Maryland. (laughs) I am from the DMV. Like those are my roots, but this is cool. I took my, after, um, after one of our national team trips, I took my dad to dinner in New York and we drove into New York from my apartment and he was like, who are you? Cause he said the way I was driving and <laughs> my road rage was very York. <laughs> and the way I was speaking, he was like, I don't even recognize you. So maybe I'm like assimilating a little bit while I'm here, but you know, my roots, I still claim Maryland. <laughs> okay. Maryland DMV specifically. I heard somebody talking about this recently that you don't try to take claim to DC. No, no, no. If you, if you find someone who's claiming DC and they're not from DC, you need to be very weary of that person. Okay. They cannot be trusted. Question the character of this person. A hundred percent. They're kind of a wannabe. Like, no, I'm from Maryland, but I like DC people too. I was born in DC, but I'm from Maryland. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, and if you don't have road rage in the New York area, um, you're probably either not driving or just having a bad time driving. So doing it wrong for sure. Yeah, definitely doing it wrong. Got a ticket. Like I feel like I'm I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, what was the ticket for? Can I? I don't want to say. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I, I was going over the speed limit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I actually, I won't get us too derailed, but I got one of those in Virginia and I did not realize how serious that was yeah. um, in, in that particular state. So that was yeah. a fun time. Uh, I had to hire somebody to go to the court. Um, it was like a basic, hey, I was speeding, I'm sorry, but the certain laws of how much you were speeding. I was still in college, I think. So Virginia is wild. I'm going to excuse that. Yes. But now when we do road trips, if I go through Virginia, I'm like, we are not speeding at all here because this is very serious. <laughs> no, and Maryland has all the speed traps. Like mm. they're everywhere. But Jersey, I'm like, if you're not going 15 over, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you may get hit yeah, you get, by it, someone else. <laughs> yes. Run off, you'll get run off the road is my usual Oh, phrase. yeah. I, it was a hard line for me to navigate when I first came here. I was like, I don't know how fast it's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I won't get us too derailed on our, um, our speeding tickets, but, uh, I mean, other big current events, I guess, beyond, um, the Gotham rebrand, I think one that I really wanted to ask you about, I'm sure plenty of people watched. You're not too long, not too far removed here from going to the white house, which very few people can say, I think, um, I mean, what was that like? How did it come about, I guess, is, is first off, because a lot of your teammates were sitting there on that Zoom and yeah. you you and Megan Rapino were like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, they sent out an invitation. It was like, who can make it? I said, I, I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> I can go. It's just a three hour drive from where I am. I make that drive home all the time. Um, and my club was kind enough to let me go. And it was it was just a fantastic time. I live like 20, 30 minutes away from the White House. Um, I actually worked or yeah, I worked at the World Bank for a summer, which is very close 
to the White House. So um, it was just really cool to be back down there and to go inside and like get a tour. And Pino is just a ball. Anyone who's been around Pino knows that she's a complete clown. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was just a really fun time. <laughs> so I think we were saying, I, we were saying um, pre-recording. I think it was at this point. Um, you know, your Margaret Purse full name Midge. You go by. And I said, how do you introduce yourself to the president is, is the question. Um, oh, Margaret, full... 100%. It's my name. I just... <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> Midge. <laughs> but you embrace the Midge nickname, right? I mean, you're... Yeah, it Midge yeah. is my name. It's really cool. It came out through soccer. And um, it's actually funny. I rarely introduce myself to, to anyone outside of soccer world as Midge. Um Usually, like, if someone who doesn't know me through soccer says Midge, they just have heard someone else say it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's cool. It's in my Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> no issues here. In- Instagram official. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, the, I thought um, there were a couple quotes, you know, from that, that day that I thought were good, but, you know, very, very strong from, from both you and Pino. But um, I, I pulled the one up um, that, you know, I, I think really stuck with um, – you said you would never expect a flower to bloom without water, but women in sport who have been denied water, sunlight, and soil are somehow expected to blossom. Um, you know, I mean, I think incredibly, you know, impactful and and spot on quote that kind of hits at, you know, all of these, um, these wider issues, which we can talk about, you know, uh, but you were there on equal pay day. Um, what do you feel like, I mean, what was that like just, just delivering, that kind of a message. I mean, you said you grew up right down the road. What was that day like for you? And and maybe just to be there on that specific day for that reason. For sure. No, um, I knew from the beginning we were going for equal pay day. I didn't know I was going to speak <laughs> until like the day before. And when I found out I was speaking, I was like, well, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I was like, you have like, do you have something for me to read? They're like, no, just talk about equal pay. I'm like, well, it's a broad subject. (laughs) What about equal pay do you want me to say? Um, And I called my brother immediately because he's just a fabulous writer. He's like absolutely brilliant. And I was like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know specifically what to talk about. I don't know what tone to take because, you know, there's a lot of tones I can take when it comes to pay equity. And um I was very specific, I think, to say equity throughout that um, those talking points, because I think people sometimes get lost in equal pay and how superficial you can um, internalize that phrase or that term. They think that you're just demanding um, exactly what someone else has with no merit. And it's, it's so frustrating because it's, it's no, we're talking about equity, you know, that's fairness. That's what you deserve. That's, that's equal investment. And when I was trying to figure out a way to say it in a way that I think like children can understand, you know, uh, which is how everything should be, should be taught. (laughs) You know, you don't want, (laughs) I don't think that when you talk about anything serious or issues, like you want it to go over anyone's head like I want kids to hear that and be like yeah that makes no sense and like yeah it doesn't (laughs) like you get it too right um so yeah that line was um really special my brother he liked it when when I said it to him I had like trouble wording it but in the end I think it it really is 
it really expresses the exact situation that I feel like I've been in playing soccer um, from all levels. Like even, even as a kid, it's, it's just really interesting, the comparisons that people will draw and um, just the excuses I think people will make for, for unfairness. Um, so, yeah. Well, you mentioned the, the soccer part of it. I, I mean, there's a CBA that's coming up you know, to be redone for, for the U.S. Women's National yeah. Team with U.S. Soccer. There's a CBA in progress, let's call it, I guess, for the NWSL. Um, I mean, even just speaking kind of probably more generally because you have to, I assume, at the stages that those are at. But, you know, come next year, let's say, hopefully those are sorted by then because I guess in some ways they would need to be. But just the, the near future here, I mean, what does, to the point you just made, I mean, what does progress look like for you? What do you hope to this sort of next phase of at least those two things can, can bring for players, you know, at large. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me personally, progress just looks like drawing out what you can agree coming to an occlusion conclusion that's based off of performance so that if you would look at, what we did and didn't see the gender in front of it, what would you give it? You know, like if it said men, would you give it the same thing? And I think we can all get back to the fact that the answer is no. And um, I think it's interesting because it's, you know, the national team is such an amazing example of like, oh, the revenue is not there. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Now what? Like that's, that's what I say. I say to everyone, like you don't, there's not a, there's not an excuse other than just flat out discrimination. So I'm excited. I think that it's a new era. And I think that um, you have a, a lot of very intelligent, strong women and men behind a really important issue. Well, I'm probably, I mean, I'm probably asking the obvious here, but this is this topic, this um, work, you know, this work off the field. I mean, this is a particular passion for you individually. Oh, absolutely. Um I don't know really when it began, but I think that I've always been interested in service. And for me, like large issues like this, it's a way to serve others. It's a way to make it better, leave it better, improve the situation and experiences of other people who may not have the same support system or privileges that I have had to navigate this system. You know, when I was with the Boston Breakers and I was on a rookie contract making $16,000 like in a year, um, my dad was so generous and gracious enough to support me through that. And there are a lot of people who can't do that. And that's it, just, it's what it is. And I was very comfortable. Like I, I wasn't hungry at night. Like I could <laughs> feed myself and fuel for the games. And I just, I want to get to a place where that option is viable for people who don't have the same luck that I do. Yeah. I think, I mean, hopefully a day very soon that um, people are going to look at players who played in 2013 and say, you're crazy. (laughs) Some of those were, (laughs) some of those were um, four digit numbers back then. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I I remember when I was in college calling my dad and I was like, dad, I want to play pro soccer. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, and do what else? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, all of this is, is working toward a, a place, obviously, where, you know, even if that's not millions, tens of millions immediately, that it's 
viable with, you know, to the degree that you could go do career X and, and live off of it at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Um, what you're also uh, executive director of Black Women's Player Collective, um, which I think is maybe news. I don't know if that's <laughs> well. I haven't seen the title out there, but um, I, I want my resume. <laughs> <laughs> add it to the resume. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen some stuff teased with a, a docu series coming. Um, I think it was fall, maybe October, that that the the social channels were kind of just announced, and and I think announced with this is our voice. So, I mean, I guess just firstly, like, tell me, tell people, like, what is what is Black Women's Player Collective? What's it? What are you working on, and and what's the the goal behind it? Yeah, we are an official five hundred one c three nonprofit, um, and we're aimed in layman's terms to putting making soccer easily accessed for Black women all over the United States. And we also hope to go global for sure. We've had a lot of soccer players reach out all over the, the world, which has been so exciting. Didn't anticipate it. And um, really, really educational to understand the different dynamics in different countries that Black women in sport go through. Um, so that was the idea because um, it's a white dominated sport in the United States. The experiences are very different. The access is very different. Um, the exposure is very different once you even get to a high level. And we just wanted to make it more appealing for, for black girls and um, more accessible. Uh, what did those conversations look like in terms of launching it? I guess the, the why, like how did the, how did it come together? Oh yeah, this, this part's <laughs> a little juicy. <laughs> well, it actually came together um, it's 2021, 2020 challenge cup, um, when basically things were really tumultuous inside the challenge cup, things were kind of, it, it wasn't a great situation, um, for a lot of the black players in the league and for a lot of the non-black players in the league. Um, it, it was just a lot going on with the kneeling and the anthem and teams being fragmented and, um, their views of social justice and injustice and, um, that's all fine. That's life. That's reality. That's the United States. That's the, that's the globe. But then um, there was an institution that came out and said that all of the black women in their clubs felt very supported and were doing well. And that was really frustrating for me to hear, mostly because I had been receiving calls and getting messages from black women in the league who I've never spoken to talking about how terrible the challenge cup was for them you know like emotionally mentally and then like you're trying to perform as well which is you know everyone has their problems to deal with but like that's fine don't tell me and don't tell someone else what it's like dealing with it um and so it was in those moments that we kind of collectively decided that we needed to create our own voice to talk about the things that we knew to be true for our experiences in the United States as soccer players 
and to help make it a better situation. And that it really wasn't about, it wasn't about, you know, convincing other people that what we think is happening is actually happening. It wasn't a, a persuasion thing anymore. Like we weren't asking anyone to join us. We were just like, we know what we know and this is what we're gonna do to respond. And so now um, some of that I think is is telling the story through directly through your eyes, right? Through your, you know, your mouths, right? Is that um, th th the docu-series that you're working on? What is that, I guess? Or what can you say about it? Yeah, what I can say <laughs> that, that is, it's, it's sharing um, individual stories. And it's so interesting because we do have so many shared experiences. But one thing that I try to remind people is that Black people aren't a monolith. You know, within our shared experiences, we have extremely diverse perspectives and moments and experiences and stories and lifestyles and upbringings. And I know that there's someone out there who will be able to relate and find some kind of support and comfort in the fact that they're not the only person who has had to deal with this. Um, and that they're very nuanced and they're things that, you know, I wouldn't, I would not share with people. You know, it, it's not something that you bring up in conversation. It's not really something that's talked about. Um, but, you know, people have been really generous with their truths and I'm, I'm just so excited that other people will get to hear them. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, I guess we'll keep an eye out for for details. Yeah, <laughs> keep, keep posted. Um, what I mean from a you know speaking to what you just spoke to, just in in maybe general terms, um, what can be done? Maybe is this the answer? I guess is it maybe the answer that that you'd have just by creating Black Women's Player Collective? But I guess is there a need for more support on a a league level, a team level? Um, to, to hear those, those words, right. That to hear those stories, to hear those perspectives and, and listen to them. I mean, is there something that maybe teams, personnel, media, even that, that is not being asked or, or not being talked about or not being asked the right way? Or like, how do you feel that, how do you feel the support is, I guess, starting from a, a league and team level um, support's not the term. I don't think even. But, I know what you're going to say. No. Yeah. I think that, you know, to resolve the issues that we're talking about, it would take a complete industry-wide push that's super conscious and driven and committed to resolving all these issues. Um, I mean, just an example of like where things, people or clubs can use help is, I think, ugh, I don't want to say the wrong club, so I'm not going to say the wrong club, but after the Derek Chauvin trial, um, a club tweeted out, he can breathe. And that's just so completely off the mark like for lack in in nice terms it's off the mark <laughs> it's 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 a poor very poor response to a tragedy and um it just it kind of shows that even after 2020 after everything after the trial like even people who may want to get it still don't get it um and there's just a lot of work that needs to be done and um that's fine we just got to do it yeah the the las vegas raiders on, yeah. on that one that was <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, you know, I think I wanted to get to a few different things because you're, you're involved in a lot of things off the field. And I thought one that was was quite interesting, um, Harvard Board of Overseers, which I had to read up on, I'll be honest, of what that is. Uh, but it sounds super important. I don't know if that's like a path to presidency or what, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, it sounds super important. You know, that's... the by the description anyway, I mean, that's sort of shaping 
you know, a world-renowned institution's future in some way, right? I mean, what, what, how did that come about and what are you, what are you working on there? Yeah, a few years ago, I began campaigning to find, you know, to get it to win a seat on the board. And it was mostly because I felt there was a really large gap that could that I could fill in terms of understanding what it's like to go to Harvard for this generation. You know, it's completely different from past generations because technology has advanced at such a high rate. Even social um, dynamics have changed. And I thought I could be really helpful. So I, I went for it. And by the grace of God, <laughs> I won and got on the board. And it, it, it's, it is really fantastic. And I've learned a lot. I'm not allowed to share a lot, which is what I learned. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I have to say that um, soccer has been really helpful with the way I have had to navigate the board, you know. I've learned a lot of life, life lessons about endurance and challenges and um, navigating tough situations and, and dealing with different personalities and people who don't, who disagree with you and, um, and people who do agree with you. And it's been, it's been absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, I won't ask for too many details to, to get you in trouble then, but uh, I, I mean, I've heard you yeah, tell the, <laughs> I've heard you tell the story about um, going to some different colleges, looking at different places. And your dad was like, Hey, what are you doing here? You're going to Harvard, <laughs> right? Um, that's not, you know, Harvard has not traditionally been the sense, the the path of U S women's national team in, in the soccer sense, right? Was that um, like, what was on your mind when you said, I'm going to Harvard was, was pro us on the mind was, was it all about the school? Where, where did that sort of pro dream come into the equation? The national team has been a goal of mine ever since I went to my first camp. Like I got there and even just with my own age group being around who the national, the federation found to be the best players of that age group. I, I loved every second of it. When I'm at camp now with the full team, it's like, I love training. Like I have so much fun at training. I get so excited when I'm going out to the field and it's really just the best time. So that's always been on my mind. And I remember having that conversation with my dad when he was like, no, you're going to Harvard. (laughs) I was like, well, what about the national team? And he looked at me and he said something that he said to me many, many times before, but he just like meant it in a different way, I guess. And Um, He said, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And um, for the four years I was there, that really was a mantra for me. It, I, I worked not necessarily to be the best at Harvard or the best in the Ivy league, but it was always in the forefront of my mind that if I wanted to go to the national team and I didn't get there, it wouldn't be because I went to Harvard. It wouldn't be whatever college I chose. It would be because I didn't earn it and um, I wasn't good enough. So that really, he really put it in my, in my own hands. Yeah. What's that path been like for you? Cause I mean, I guess we can, I don't want to breeze over anything, but however much you want to talk about, you know, Harvard to, to Boston, which is, I mean, at that point it was on campus, they were playing. So that, that wasn't a, a huge move, I guess, but you know, then Boston obviously folding out to Portland where you, I, I think, you know, the, the neutral might argue you had a bit of a breakout 
in Portland and then coming to Gotham, which I don't know if that was, was or wasn't expected in terms of uh, the trade, but it's a, it's a league of many trades, I guess, which is yeah. probably not too fun from a player perspective, but um, you know, what was that pathway? You know, we, we see players get to this point where, you know, you are, um, you know, I don't know if you would self-describe yourself this way, but you're a star in the league. You're a player on the national team. <laughs> she made a, she made a face to that, but you, you, know, you are. Um, so like, was there a point where you're playing on a team? You mentioned making a $16,000 contract, you know, a team folds, you're shipped out 2,500 miles, you know, not your choice, even though you, maybe you'd make that choice. Um, what, what was that pathway like? Was there a point where, I don't know, you question things or you're just wondering like, where's this going? What, what was that? So like? many points, so <laughs> many points, so many points where I questioned things like, uh, so many, like how long is this going to take for me to get to the next thing? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I can't tell you the number of times where I, I have questioned it and, um, the just just moments never never like a serious all right let me like go look for a new job and like try to line up but yeah you know this the sports world is really hard it, it's it's a really difficult thing and it's not for everyone and i think women's soccer especially is it's a really hard bear to wrestle with and um yeah there there have been do- times where i felt like I haven't been valued in the way that I should have been. Like, I felt like I I had been performing, but didn't get the return on my own investment that I, that I felt I earned. And that's just, that's the sports world. You know, people say, leave politics out of sports. Well, come into a locker room, (laughs) be a bird on, on, uh, on a coach's uh, little board for, for a year and see how much politics (laughs) place and in a starting 11 sometimes like you know it, it's it's a really hard place to be and um it's even harder when you see other people just excelling you know being being absolutely incredible and you're like I want it and it's not from a place of like I don't want you to have it it's just like I want it too and I think I've gotten really good at not comparing myself to to other players and other journeys. I call myself a late bloomer in this time where you have a lot of like child prodigies <laughs> in soccer, which is fine. You know, you, you got to you, Your story is your story. But um, no, there's definitely been moments of of doubt. But um, yeah, still here. <laughs> still here. Well, well, I think more than still here. That's that's an understatement. I mean, you're, you know, you're in the U.S. mix here as as the Olympics near. We're not too far from a, a World Cup, really. Um, so so plenty on the horizon there. Um, I don't know how much you get caught up in the um, the. I'm going to call it the online debate, I guess, of your position. I mean, I introduced you as forward slash defender. Um, you know, fullback for the most part, I guess, on the national team, you're a few caps in and um, first goal, I'm sure felt nice to, to <laughs> celebrate recently. Um, but, you know, playing both of those somewhat equally for Gotham. And uh, we opened this talking about the other night playing forward, I think ended up playing both in that game too. Right. So um, you're probably used to this, this, this conversation or this, um, you know, question, but I mean, what, uh, I thought what was cool, you got asked about this. I don't even know. I think I was one of 
too many questions about it for you after a, a she believes game. But um, you said, you know, I'm still learning the position. I don't think it was necessarily good enough tonight, but I'm going to get better. And um, it was just, it was refreshing. It was, it was, you know, a cool sort of insight into um, your, your mindset. So I'm just curious kind of what, what that's like doing the hopping back and forth, you know, not just between club and country where you can say, hey, I'm a forward here, I'm a forward there, but different positions. Yeah. You know, it just kind of, it sounds like you're happy to be training and happy to be on the field. I, yeah. You know, when you come from, you know, sitting on the bench in games, you know, you just want to be out there no matter, no matter what it takes. And, um, no, it's been, it's, it's definitely challenging for sure. You know, I, even in the past couple of weeks I've trained up top and then after practice, I pull three forwards to the side and I'm like, will you run at me? Like, can I defend you one V one? And people are like looking at me, they're like, you're going to play forward this weekend. I'm like, this isn't about this weekend. <laughs> practice before this weekend after practice is like just my general like defending skills. Um, and yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's challenging, but I, I like it. I like this kind of challenge. These aren't the type of challenges that make me like doubt things. These are the challenges just like, okay, you can do it. It's going to be hard, but it will be even more refreshing and, and amazing after. Like, I just think about the idea of, you know, playing outside back in a national team game and they need a forward and they just push me up there and I'm, I'm already there. Like, <laughs> and just like the, the ability to do that. I want, I want to be able to do that. I want to be that flexible. I want to serve that role. I want, you know, all of my coaches to have that type of confidence where they're like, don't worry. Midge's got it. Like we can just put her there. Um, and it's, it's fun. Both are fun. They're fun in different ways. And defense will be more fun when I get better. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had a, a preference, but you're just embracing both of those. No, I mean, I like board. <laughs> oh, okay. We're just going to just clear that up. Okay. Well, I think, I think you made, I think you made a good case for it. Uh, certainly the other night and, and many other nights, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, big picture, you know, I guess the immediate term Olympics, I'm sure has to be something that's, that's on your mind. Um, you know, I, I ask players this, I mean, I'm just curious kind of how you, how do you approach such a, a huge thing? We've been talking just these past few minutes about the getting there part of things and, and all the things you've gone through to get to this point. And then you get to this point and you're like, well, I want to get to that point, yeah. <laughs> you know? So how do you kind of navigate that when those margins are tight? There's, there's tight timing. There's not a lot of roster spots. I mean, are you, you just taking it day by day, not to, it's a little cliche and I hate that, but like day by day, are you looking in some other way? Yeah, I know. Sometimes I like check Google. I'm like, did they increase roster spots? Cause it goes <laughs> I'm like 23 for the Olympics. Like <laughs> that might be better suited. Um, no, I, I really do take it day by day. And I think um, it's, it's definitely made the importance of me being consistent a lot higher. Like I definitely go to training and I'm thinking about the Olympics. Like I'm thinking about, like, I have no idea what's going to happen from now till the very last Olympic games. And should anything fall my way? Like I, I want to rise for the occasion. So I don't know if it's day by day, but it's definitely 
I, I think about it. I think about it constantly. <laughs> constantly. I'm like making my tea in the morning. I'm like, okay, I got to drink a bottle of water. Can't be dehydrated in case you get to go. to the <laughs> No Olympian is ever dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, could be the first. <laughs> um, well, how about uh, we can wrap up maybe with uh, NWSL, you know, Gotham. We talked about the rebrand, um, saw that on the field a bit so far anyway. I know it's it's very early. I don't know. I've heard a lot of different takes on these many virtual calls of some coaches and players, oh, it's preseason, some coaches and players, no, we're going for it. I don't know what, you know, we've got announcers saying don't trust them. So I, I don't know how. I've heard this. <laughs> That's the, yeah. But what, how are you, I mean, challenge cup, but like Gotham in general, I, I think probably a goal to want to put this together over the course of a full season. There's six playoff spots now. Is that, is that kind of the talk in the locker room of that bigger picture in addition to challenge cup? No, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think we've talked about big picture other than like we are new and we're like making our statement. Um, because we're really just focused on the next game. Like it's game by game. You got to trust the process. And I think, um, I think it, I genuinely believe it's a new team and I don't think people understand what I actually am trying to articulate when I'm saying that I'm not saying that the players are necessarily different. I'm not saying that, um, like we have a different style, even I'm, I'm saying like, the team itself, it is a different level, it is a different energy, it is a different mindset and different expectations. And we don't look anything like any other sky blue team, even last year that that performed. So I think that, you know, I we just want to win. And I, I that's what I love about this team. Like every single player wants to win. And I have some cigars in my house that I am holding for a time I get to hold a trophy and I'm hoping it's the challenge cup one. Cause it's the closest one. <laughs> so I think, I think we're going to win. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I want to win. <laughs> so you want that cigar. I want this cigar. So I literally, it's in a nice little case. My dad gave me and I haven't opened it, <laughs> but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm taking it with me. If we make it to the championship, cause it's going to get opened. when I. All right, we'll save one, you know, hopefully for for some other ones as well, Tokyo or or uh, later oh, in the I year. So. And kids um, don't smoke. That's smoking <laughs> 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 is bad. <laughs> well, we'll keep it we'll keep an eye out for that. Hopefully um you have to I'm sure post a picture somewhere if you can if you get the opportunity for or a reason to to have that cigar. Um well, I'm hoping if you have a couple minutes we can do a quick rapid fire after this for um for our Equalizer subscribers, but um, one to thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll sign off here. Mitch Person, we'll, we'll take the, uh, the rapid fire for our subscribers here just after this. Thanks so much, it was great. That is that for this episode of Kicking Back. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to bring you another great interview soon. If you don't wanna miss any, or you just need to get caught up, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're listening to. And again, please subscribe to the Equalizer Extra. It's equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. Get you premium content on all things women's soccer, including 
bonus content from these podcasts that you can only get as a subscriber to the site. So check that out. We'll be back soon with more Kicking Back. At ADP, we understand the importance of building the right team and offer the data insights to help. Just as importantly, our AI technology helps you pay the team accurately. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll.